about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Hello and welcome to this week's program. We are called All In. That's right, this program is All In for the Lord. Are you all in for the Lord? And we're talking about things on this program to help us separate from the world, to get away from what the world teaches and into the kingdom of God. As we talked about last week, there are two kingdoms. And there's the kingdom of this world, of earth, the Babylonian system, then there's the kingdom of God. And as people of God, a people who've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we are looking for ways and avenues to increase our wisdom concerning the uh, kingdom of Almighty God. You know, it's, it's interesting because in the Our Father that we always pray, at most denominations or churches or whoever is claiming to be a leader of the Christian faith, the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallow, holy be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's quite obvious that that is part of the plan. Part of the plan is to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Now, how do you do that? You do that by living it. You do that by by learning it, implementing it, and being a kingdom of God implementor. And you are th- therefore supposed to be the one who sets the example of how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God. You know, every day, each one of us has to deal with life. Now, You know, I know there always looks perhaps to you or I like someone else's life is stress-free or there's nothing there that they have to fight. It seems like there are some people that have more obvious battles than others. But I believe that every single one of us is battling something. And Lucifer has his work cut out for him because if you and I learn about this kingdom, if we understand that whatever we agree on, whatever we believe and invoke the name of Jesus, it shall and will be done. And so, therefore, the only thing that Lucifer, Satan, whatever you want to call him, has left is to convince you that it's not working, is to convince you that what you have or what you're going through is worse than anybody else. And you shouldn't and won't be able to get help um, because it's so bad. And if he can convince you, then you can begin to imagine the worst. And I think our imaginations are so overlooked because God gave us imaginations. He gave us the ability to in our own mind, imagine outcomes of life. And, you know, most of us have grown up imagining things that aren't good because we've been told we aren't good. Or 
It may, you might have came from a family that always told you you just weren't good enough. And so, therefore, your imagination takes over and it immediately tries to convince you that you aren't worthy of being healed by God. If God's will would only be done. I, I just pray that God God's will would be done. Well, what do we think God's will is? Why did he send Jesus into the earth if Jesus was walking around healing everyone and preaching hope and preaching the belief in, in an almighty God who loves us, why would that same God want to harm you? And yet somehow in our confused minds, Lucifer has made great gains in the sense of trying to convince each one of us that, well, God's, God's will might be for you to suffer. It might be that you're gonna, God's going to teach you something because you're supposed to carry this burden. <sighs> Let me say that Jesus, the Christ, descended into hell, not so you could carry a burden, but so that he could remove that burden from you. He descended into hell and battled it out there with Lucifer and defeated him in front of all of the demons, in front of all of hell. He defeated Lucifer and for all time took the keys back from the kingdom. And a man, Jesus the Christ, here as living as a man, died and went into hell and was born again, the firstborn from the dead. That's right. He was the firstborn from the dead. And you and I, and we, when we accept him, what we call born again, we're a number of whatever number you are or I am, born again. Jesus was the firstborn. Then there was a second, a third, a fourth. We don't know who they are. And it goes on and on until finally you and I, accepting Jesus as Lord, are one of the, we're in there somewhere, one of those numbers. So if God's will was for you to drudge ahead, if it was for you to drag on, if it was for you to feel like you're not worthy, of success, then why would he send Jesus to defeat all of our enemies and cause us to understand that he loves us unconditionally? Why would he want us to know that? He does not love us based on how good you handle a sickness, how good you handle a disease or handle poverty. He loves us just because we are who we are. And all we've got to do is accept Him as Lord, follow His ways, but Art, there's the commandments. Yep, yep, there's those Ten Commandments. And then there's the other 600 that were created by the, by the Jewish Empire to make sure that there were all enough laws. So there was over 613 or so commandments. Which ones are you keeping out of the 613? Do you even know they exist? And in a lot of cases, Jesus broke most of the commandments, not the 10, but most of the ones written by the Jewish empire. Laws like if somebody had uh, 
a disease that you were not, you know, not supposed to get close to them. Just like today, you got to stay six feet. Well, Jesus would have broke that law if somebody came up and said, would you pray for me? Because he would have laid hands on them and prayed and he wouldn't have been standing six feet away. And so that would have been a law broken. So, you know, mask wearing, I don't know how Jesus would have handled that one. Uh, if he would have put one on for the sake of the Romans, if they were the ones who issued the decree, or if he would have just been walking around the way he is and they would have said, this guy's breaking the law. You know, don't let him in. So the point is that Jesus came to set us free from all the critter crap, all the laws, all that, all, all the laws. He, he set us free. And there are the Ten Commandments, but he left us with one major commandment. He said, go into all the earth and love one another as I have loved you. And treat each other in love. And if we recognize that, when we recognize that, um, then we understand that we are children of God, each one of us, even those that haven't accepted the Lord yet, and we are to treat each other as if you're treating your closest friend, because Jesus is in each person. God created all of us. When you think about it, our bodies, our body, the human body, one human body. What is one human body worth? It is a earth suit. It is a temple, the Bible calls it. It is where we reside. It's where you live. You live inside this earth suit. You can't live on earth without an earth suit. Your earth suit is keeping you breathing the air, eating, re-energizing, recharging, thinking, your brain works, um, your body works, your hands, if you you know, your feet, you know, everything. So all of our bodies, the one human body, you, you know, if people could replace bodies, they keep living forever, right? And that's exactly what our bodies were designed to do, live forever, until Lucifer caused Adam to fall. And then that body became contaminated with thoughts and imaginations that were not of God. God's thoughts, he tells us, are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. His imagination only imagines the best for us. And then there's us. What are we imagining? What do you imagine every day? What do you allow your mind to think about every day? What's the dominant thinking every day? Are you in fear? Now, Let's talk about that, because if you've been diagnosed with something, a doctor comes to you and says, look, we did some tests and we found some serious issues here. What happens to us <clears throat> if we don't have God's kingdom, if we don't have God's word working? What happens to us is we go into a maybe a mild state of fear or disbelief or or whatever initially, but then it grows. And if we're operating out of a base of, oh my God, I have this, then what we're doing is allowing our mind and our imagination to detail it 
even more detailed than maybe it is. So when something starts to come on you, maybe let's just take, for instance, a cough that you didn't have yesterday, but you started to cough. And your imagination can go a couple ways on that, right? If you let it, it could say, oh, this is going to be bad and start to believe the worst of the worst. Because you heard somebody cough that was sick, that was really sick. So you think, well, that's probably the thing I, I got. So right then is when you have to stop it. Right then is when we have to say, no, thank you. I'm not receiving that cough. You might be coughing, but I'm not it's not mine. It's passing through maybe, but it ain't mine. It wasn't there. And I'm not taking it. It's not mine. Or I don't feel good today. I don't feel as good today as I did yesterday. I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I feel... So you start to say that. Then your, your imagination takes it a lot of places. If you're a school kid, it might take you to, well, I could probably get off of school today. If you're a working person and you really don't feel good, maybe you could call in sick. And then your imagination takes you down that road that you must be sick. So what we do is we generally open the doors to the kingdom of this world, allowing all of the world's thoughts to come in, and our body begins to react to what you're imagining. You know, we have a heart, a soul, a spirit, a mind, and in here is something the world refers to as a subconscious mind. It's the heart. It's the, the main heart. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But the world likes to call it, well, we have a subconscious mind. But anyway, we have this heart that God gave us that constantly creates whatever it is we believe we want. Now, the problem with wanting is a lot of people want things that aren't good for them. Like, the subconscious does not have a sense of humor. It does not know when you're kidding. So if your imagination starts to believe you're getting sick, the heart or the subconscious begins to create more of what it thinks you want. And that's what happens. So now the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think I'm getting what? A cold, sick, broke, busted, sick, disgusted. I mean, you have to stop saying that. So we're told in the book of James that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. It's very small, but it steers the whole ship because the power is pushing the ship forward, but the rudder is guiding it. So out of the abundance of our hearts, we speak. So if your imagination runs wild and you begin to expect the worst, your tongue will follow suit and somebody will say to you, hey, how you feeling? And I'm convinced, you know, in this country anyway, when somebody says, how you feeling or how you doing, they don't really want to know. <laughs> they just want to know, are you okay? But we tend to tell them everything. Oh, you don't know what happened today. You don't know how I feel. Woke up feeling like blah, 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 blah. And then, because you spoke it, 
the world that we live in, the kingdom, is word activated, and it releases it to begin to process. It also um, begins your imagination vividly believing and seeing. So the hard part as a Christian is to reverse that process, I think. If you're someone who's already in a wheelchair or already just, you know, got yourself in bed, worked up because you're so down about life, it's, it's harder. I, it, there's no doubt it's harder to overcome because you've allowed your imagination to lead you into the world's way. And if you turn on the news or the media, it will assist you. <laughs> if you're upset about what's happening around the world and, and you know, people being trampled and concerts maybe they shouldn't even be at, but they're there by the thousands, and things happen, well, our imaginations take us to places. Our imaginations protect us. You know, there are people who were supposed to be in the Twin Towers the day that it went down. Now, you know, I'm not saying one person's better than another, but there are those who take God's Word and have planted it more seriously in their lives. And, you know, Psalm 91 tells me that a thousand might fall at my side, ten thousand at my right, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked, for I have made the Lord God even the Most High my habitation. So, there are story after story of people who were supposed to be there that day, and for whatever reason were not there. A lot of them. There was actually a church in the lower level, and from my understanding that not one member of that church was there that day. So, what I'm suggesting is that our imaginations, and when we block out God's Word, because we have a better way of thinking, we get led into situations we shouldn't be in. We, we, get, we get caught up in sicknesses we shouldn't have. We allow it or tolerate it. You say, what do you mean tolerate it? Well, if you knew that you are a king's kid. Now, come on. Jesus is the king. And if you are a king's kid, and kings, by nature, give decrees, and they decree things. And if you decree that you are a king's kid, and you decree that you are protected by the blood of Jesus, that you are under the shadow of the Almighty, and you believe it in your heart, it will come to pass. I'll read you the scriptures. I have them in my hand. I'm just kind of talking it through first. So, what are we to do? Are we, allow, are we to allow our the way we feel or what we see? Um, what we see, something occurs where you see something that shouldn't be on you, uh, a pimple or something in the wrong place, and you what, say, ah, that's nothing. Or should we react with no weapon formed against me is going to prosper, even if it's small? You get off of here. 
by the blood of Jesus, I have been healed by his stripes. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I demand, as a king's kid, I decree, as a king's kid, that I am in totally perfect, originally perfect health and the way God designed me to be. Oh, Art, you can't talk like that. Yes, I can. Because in the Word of God, He gives us all the ammunition, all the scriptures to tell us that God wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be prosperous. And I think one of the biggest things I hear the most, and maybe you do too, but maybe you think this way. Well, we want God's will to be done. Whatever God wills, read the Bible. His will, last will, and testimony is outlined. He gave us His will. Jesus came to make sure we understood it. And we need to understand that it's not changing. God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His will is that you walk in perfect health. His will is that you have everything you need whenever you need it. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth. Why would he say on earth? Because it isn't operating on earth if you don't bring it here. You have to bring it on earth. We have to bring it. The, the earth is, is crying out for the sons and daughters of God to take his word and bring the kingdom into existence. It's crying. You can hear it moaning. Turn on the news. You'll hear all the problems. The earth is crying out. How is it going to ever get fixed? How do you think everything you hear on the news is ever, ever going to be fixed? Or should you just sit down and imagine the worst and get it over with? God's will is for you to be a born-again child of God, king's kid. Understanding His will needs to be done and decreeing it in this earth and walking it out in your life. One of the reasons that we find the youth of this world, country especially, less and less understand going to church, nor do they want to in some cases, because they have not really seen a good example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's correct. They haven't seen a good example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? A follower of the king. A king's kid. With an imagination that's being brought under control. That we only imagine God's best for ourselves, not his worst. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's right. He did not give us fear. So if you're in fear, and that's what sickness brings, you know, if you discover that you're sick or the doctors help you discover it, we thank God for doctors. I do. I thank God that they're there to help us reveal what to pray for. But then you have to take it out of their hands 
in the sense of knowing which direction the outcome is going to go. Of course you want their advice. Of course you want the medication if it's readily available to help you. Of course. But while you're doing that, take God's Word and invoke it in the situation. And invoke the kingdom. The Bible tells us that God's Word will never return void. I mean, never return void. What does that mean? That means if you speak His Word over you, it's going to accomplish that which you sent it to do. It's going to accomplish it. We are, as believers, born again. What are we born again from? We're born again from the old ways of this world. We're born again from darkness. In God, there is no darkness. There is only light. He is light. He is the light of the world. There is no darkness. Sickness has darkness. Disease has darkness. Fear is dark. You can easily see that God is light, and therefore in Him there is no darkness. What is His will? That you walk in the light. Now that light was stolen from Adam in the garden. That's right. Adam surrendered it to Lucifer, who brought in darkness. Lucifer brought in, you'll be just like God if you listen to me, because you'll know both good and evil. You'll, you'll know both light and darkness. Quite honestly, after having lived through a number of years on this planet, I don't care about wanting to know more about darkness. I enjoy light. I enjoy hope. I enjoy happiness. I enjoy all the goodness that God has promised. That I could be healthy, wealthy, and then at the end of the promise of eternal life. That What more could you ask for? So, if you're living a life that's totally healthy, and the Bible tells us to live old, not young, live to be 120. That's what it says. If I or you live to be 120, and you are healthy during the whole period of time, and you have more than enough that you need to live life with, the only thing left is you want to live forever, because it's a good deal. And that's exactly what it means to be under the new covenant with Jesus, that he brought you health, wealth, and eternal life. That is the kingdom of God. But I don't see a lot of Christians living out the kingdom way. I see them holding on to the earth kingdom and trying to justify that they're in God's kingdom. you got to go one way or the other, and we have to grow, all of us. We're talking about what it means to be a child of God, not halfway child of God. Um, we're born again. That's what it means. Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom. Well, 
when you accept Jesus as Lord, you are born again. And you begin the entrance into this new kingdom. But because we grew up with families and friends and our parents here on earth, there's a lot taught to us as children that are not God's ways. And those things that have been taught to us, when we were kids, they were little seeds. And those seeds grow up as trees, the Bible says, within us. And Jesus says that every tree that the Father has not planted will have to be uprooted, pulled out. And that's a fact. You know, when you began life as a kid, depending on where you lived, what your parents believed, they sowed a lot of beliefs in you. There's a lot of kids that grew up thinking, there's no God. We don't have to be accountable to anything or anybody. We just get what we can get. Take what we can take. And hopefully, don't get caught. And I know the majority of, of Americans, at least, are not like that. But when you look at some of the children in other worlds, other countries, I mean, um, that were brought up to hate people and to want to hurt people, that they can't help that. That seed is a tree now that grew up in them as they get older. And they absolutely believe, they believe that because it was a seed that was sown by their parents or whoever they, their guardians were. So how do you change people? How do you change this earth? How do you change the world? How do you change America? Well, the first thing is not to be mad at the people that have the trees grown up in them that aren't workable with the kingdom, but to identify the ones in yourself that need to be uprooted. If they don't come from the Word of God, then they don't have the right to live within a born-again Christian temple, body, earth suit. We have to get them out. And there has to be always a standard. You know, um, when someone, we used to say, I don't even know how they do it today because of technology, but when, when for speeding, you know, you go out there and the speed limit's now, what, 70 in some places or maybe even more. But, you know, whatever the speed limit is, there's always somebody going to want to go faster. And when you get f caught, you know, speeding, you, um, you, 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 we used to say, you know, if, if somebody used the speed guns or the gun would tell you how, tell the officer how fast you were going. Now I don't know how they do it. They might have the same thing. I don't know. But we used to say, can I see the calibration date when you had that calibrated last? Because I'm questioning the speed that you say I was going. And people who never heard that before go, what are you talking about, the calibration date? Well, every one of those speed guns would get off, would be off by 5 or 10 miles an hour over a period of time. They had to go back to a calibration and recalibrate it every 30 days or whatever, or every two weeks, whatever the deal was. And if they weren't recalibrated for a month or two or three, you could usually challenge that in a court of law. Well, each one of us has to be recalibrated. We're off. 
the standard that you grew up thinking was true, even the people who hate America, they don't know why they do that. They don't know why. They grew up being taught a different set of core values. What are your core values? Because if we don't go to the Word of God to get those core values, then we're just wandering around waiting for something that sounds good to become part of our core values. Oh, yeah, I do. I'm a good person. I help people, and I do this, and I do that. Well, Jesus said to go beyond that. And here in the book of Luke, uh, verse 27 to 33, he says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, uh, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So the way of the world is if somebody treats you good, you treat them good. But what Jesus is saying is as a Christian, we're to get outside of that box. And the people who hate us, the people who curse us, who would that be? Witches? Or people who just curse you and say nasty things about you. For the, and that could be people at work, you know, or people that you, you run into from time to time. You belong to some organization. Or pray for those who mistreat you. If you're mistreated, pray for them. Don't be mad at them. Now, <clears throat> I mean, let's face it. If you're in a bad situation, somebody's being mistreated, you got to get out of that situation. But don't let what they did to you be the curse that lives in you, because then you can't be free. You are always uh, mad at them, cursing them back, because they did something bad to you. God's saying, don't do that, because when you and I get mad back, we we release a different set of rules in the kingdom that causes things to come to us that we don't want. Things that aren't good. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Pray for them. Be kind to them. The best part is be kind behind their back. If somebody mistreats you, take their name, put it on a prayer list, and start to pray for them. Thanking God that somehow they'll have their eyes opened. And it'll be amazing what you see happen. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. In other words... Don't let it get you all, all bent out of shape. Now, I know that I know people that if somebody slaps them on one cheek, the other guy's going down. <laughs> and, 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 and that's understandable because, I mean, nobody has the right to do that. But what Jesus is saying here, take a different perspective. 
if you can get above it, get a, take a different perspective. If they slapped you, they just don't have control of themselves. Don't become like them. Don't let them get you to do something you wouldn't normally do. That's what he's really saying. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold their sh- your shirt. So if they stole your coat because they're cold, maybe they need a shirt. Be willing to give. Give to everyone who asks. If somebody asks for something and you have the ability to give it, he's saying give it. Um, if anyone takes a look, okay, do it to others, which you'd have them do unto you. Give to everyone who asks. If anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. If somebody takes something from you, you could demand it back. There's no doubt about it. But Jesus is saying, what is he saying? He's saying, I am a giver. Therefore, I want to change my attitude and say, they must have really needed that. So I want to make that a gift as unto the Lord. I'm sowing a seed. If you can bring yourself to that point, it'll come back to you, only better. So whatever you give will come back, only better. So he's telling us, don't feel like it got stolen. Feel like you gave it. So you're switching hats from a person that got stolen from to a person who's giving. Take advantage of the fact they took it. No, they didn't take it. I'm giving it. And I freely give it so that if they come back tomorrow and say, look, I took this from you, you say, no, you didn't. I gave it to you. So when you take it from the stealing column and put it in the giving column, now God can bless you. Pressed down, shaken together, and flowing over 30, 60, or 100-fold return is what he promises in his word. That's how the kingdom works. So the kingdom of God, he's telling us to love one another. He's telling us not to be resentful or mad at people. You know, and here where it says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. You know, or pray for those who mistreat you. Mistreat you could be people, politicians. Politicians mistreat Americans all the time. Passing laws and rules that are not good. That are hurting a lot of people that just can't afford to pay the taxes that they demand. And those taxes, once the law is enforced, we want to pray for these people to change, number one. But number two, if you are feeling like that, you're being stolen from on the taxes, turn that into the winning column too. I sow the seed. They're not stealing it from me. I willingly give it, knowing that God will restore to me a hundredfold return. Would you, (laughs) if you could bring yourself to a point where the money you pay for taxes was seed sown and you got a hundredfold return on it, Wow, wouldn't that be something? Well, that takes quite an imagination. And that's quite what we have. We have an imagination, but we allow it to run according to the world system. The Bible tells us, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So when you hear the world tell you how they're determining it goes, use your imagination to believe how God wants it to be and how God sent Jesus into the earth to teach us to teach others. That's our job. Our job is to 
be an example of the Word at work here on the earth. And as business people, even more. Because you should be making a lot of money. I don't care what business you're in. If you understand sowing and reaping and how you can sow and give, God will never, you cannot outgive God. He will never let your business down. You'll get more clients and more business from places you never knew if you just continue to give. And it says here, if you love those who love you, well, sinners do that. So that doesn't make you good. You, you, by you saying, oh, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I, I treat people fair. They treat me fair. I treat them fair. But they cross that line, man. I'm going to get them. Well, that's the way, that's the kingdom of the earth. That's not the kingdom of God. And I believe a lot of Christians are confused. I truly do. Um, even the way we sue people, suing over every little thing. Okay, so you take somebody to court, maybe you have a legitimate case, but I, I mean, every day somebody's trying to get a couple thousand bucks from somebody. How about if you sowed that money in your mind and used your imagination, what would happen there is you would uh, find yourself in a place where that money is coming back over and over again. It's coming back. So we don't want to become rude. We don't want to become upset. We want to find a way to help people. We want to find a way to pray for people. We don't want to get mad at them. <clears throat> By faith, we do this. That's how we do it. Faith is the substance. In Hebrews 1, faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. What kind of faith? Now faith. It's a kind of faith that has to be done now, right now. If it's not being done in the now, it's not faith. We're, we can't wait till it's all done and say, well, I used faith to get that. No. You use faith when it doesn't look like you're getting that. So that's something we have to take into consideration. Now, in Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Huh. Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Whatever things you ask. Now, assuming you're not mad at people, you're standing in love, and you've forgiven people around you, and you've taken God's word, this is how the kingdom works. Whatever you ask when you're praying, believe it. Now, that's an interesting point, because I have prayed with people, and I'm sure you have too, who stand there and pray with you and ask you to pray for them, but they're scared out of their gourd. It isn't going to work. And you hear them say, well, I hope that's God's will. It says here, whenever you ask, when you pray, believe. When do you believe? Right then, now, now faith. Right then, you believe now, and you will receive it. it if you don't believe what you prayed worked, then you're not operating the kingdom. You're not operating the kingdom. 
And that's what we're here to talk about. All in. All in the kingdom. So when we pray, now, and I get that. I, I understand if you've been diagnosed with something, man, it's it's all over your brain, man. It's it's in there. It's it's trying to tell you you're done. Well, and I know it's like swimming up Niagara Falls, too. It's like going against the falls that are coming down on your head. You have to swim up. So what are you to do? How do you overcome that obstacle? How do you know that what you just prayed for is, how do you know that it's done? Because Jesus said it. What we're teaching ourselves to understand is that Jesus wasn't a joke. He came to teach us how the kingdom works. And we have to decide to do something about it. Don't we? Sure we do. So how do we do that? We've got to make ourselves believe it. How do we make ourselves believe it? Well, by repeating it over and over again. You take God's Word. Maybe it's the Scripture that says, By His stripes I am healed. The stripes meaning the whipping marks on His back. He says that by His stripes I came. Your, your, your body should be healed because of my stripes. I took those stripes so you could be healed. And maybe you need to repeat that every minute, every 30 seconds, every hour, so that no loose thought or passing thought can take your imagination and go on a road that, isn't, that doesn't have a good outcome. We have to take control of our imagination. The Bible says we, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Jesus said this, whatever we loose is loosed. And we are to cast down all imaginations that try and exalt themselves above the Word of God. So, if God's Word says you're healed, we have to cast down an imagination that tries to say otherwise in our brain and throw it the heck out. I mean, that's the fight. I understand it's a fight. We know it's a fight. But do it. Be vigilant. Guard the fort. The fort is here, in here, in your heart. The fort, you have to guard it. You have to put the Word of God in so that the Word of God overpowers everything else that's going on in your life. How do you do that? Well, number one, I, I talked about it last week, and I, there is a book uh, there's a website on the screen, and there is a book um, that I put together that has power scriptures in it. You can put your own together, but they're scriptures that that God's Word says certain things about certain things, and, and I put this book together so you can read it out loud to yourself every day. And it's one way to renew your mind. I do it every day, and I read it out loud. I say it out loud. I know most of it by heart at this point. But I speak it looking right into my own eyes to set the tone in my life for what's going on. I'm setting it with the Word of God. And that book uh, is available uh, online. I'm trying to think of the website. It'll be on the screen if you're watching this video. On the radio, um, as I think of it here, I will make sure 
that I, I say it. But it's, um, uh, mm, <laughs> all in for faith. I believe all in with the number four faith.com or .org. I have a couple of them, and, I, and as I think of it, I will bring it up. Uh, but it's very important that y- we do something about the imagination. You can't let it run wild. That's why we have a wild garden growing, because our imagination is jumping off cliffs, man. You turn on, you're going to find how bad the world is and how many people died this week from COVID, but other things as well. And you don't get the whole story. You just get the fear story, the highlight, because that's what sells news, right? And then you have to process that in your mind. And your imagination is waiting for something to to imagine. It's in the garden. You have a garden. Your world is your garden. It's right there. Each one of us has that same ability. And we're to make sure the kingdom of God is brought to earth. And you've got to do that by planting in your own garden and uprooting all the old trees. That's how it works. So today, as we contemplate this, and you might think, boy, this guy he talks crazy, you know, he talks like you can just do anything. Yeah, we can. That doesn't mean we will, but we can. And Jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Now, you can't say that part of it and then go back and say, but we don't know what God's will is. Oh, come on. It's so obvious. There is no darkness in God. God is light. He is light. And Jesus is and was the light of the world. So here we are. And we are to be the light of the world. Here, um, I want to just read John 13, verse 16. And it says, most assuredly, in other words, verily, verily, who do you think saying that? Jesus. Really important, really important. I say to you, a servant, which we are, we are servants of the Most High. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. So Jesus is saying that he was sent by the Father. And he's saying, I'm not greater than the Father. And I'm also, uh, even though I was sent, I'm not greater than the Father. And none of us is greater than the Master. So we are to humble ourselves knowing that. But at the same time, understanding the kingdom and how it works. And, and how that kingdom works to transform everything in your life. Every circumstance And every situation that you come up against or I come up against should be solved and is and can be solved by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they need to be solved because we have been given the keys to the kingdom. There is no weapon, no weapon, no imagination formed against us that can prosper. Why? Because our righteousness is of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that we aren't righteous on our own. We take upon ourselves the breastplate of His righteousness, Jesus. So, 
our righteousness is of the Lord, but whatever we do will prosper, for we are like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and that other tree is uprooted. The one is uprooted is the one that we grew up thinking we were, the world's kingdom, the Babylonian system, how the earth thinks, how the earth works. God's kingdom, he is the master. He oversees it all. And God's word never returns void. So, knowing that, whatever we pray shall come to pass when we believe, when we pray. So, if you're sitting there and you have a sickness, a disease, or just broke, busted, sick, or disgusted, we can pray right now and get you delivered from that. But when we pray, you've got to believe. You've got to do your part. I believe and I receive that every word of God never returns void in my life. I believe that the favor of God surrounds me like a shield, producing supernatural increase, promotion, restoration, honor, increased assets, greater victories, policies and rules changed, and battles won that I don't have to fight. Wow! So as a joint heir with you, Father, Jesus, and according to Romans 8.17, I declare the following, victory over every area of my life. That's the way to pray. That's the way we are to pray. And that's the way that you and I are to live and bring the kingdom into this earth. If you hung in there and stayed with this program, I'm sure there's something in here that will help you further your cause today. But whatever it is you're praying for, you got to believe. And you got to know that God's word never returns void. He loves you. He loves you un unconditionally. He would have died even if it was just you on the cross. He would have died for you and I. And so today, as we crap this up, we have to realize who we are in Christ and go out and help others and love them as Christ loved us. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on All In. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me, it's about time